If you have your Bibles, your scripture journals with you, I want you to open to Colossians chapter 3. We're in a series we're calling Rooted, and we're looking at what it means to be rooted in Jesus against and over and opposed to all the other philosophies, all the other ideas that challenge us and beckon us to choose them instead. And I'm going to read chapter 3, the majority of it, in fact, 1 through 17. And so what I'll do here is I will read this, and I want you to actively listen. For the first part, we're not going to put it on the screen. I want you to, to, to read. In fact, if we need to bring the lights up just a little bit for people to see their, their um, books, that's fine. But I'm going to read, and I'm going to give you an assignment. So assignment number one, it's long. Don't fall asleep on me, okay? Satan will tempt you to think about something else. Fight that. Number two, I want you to be active in this. And because one of the reasons I love these scripture journals is there's something about when we physically interact with scripture. And so I want you to circle every time you hear a certain phrase. Paul's going to challenge us to do something. He's going to challenge us to put off something and put on something. And so as you hear those things, I want you to circle when you see Paul put on something or put off something. Paul writes to this church that he never had the opportunity to actually visit in person, at least before he wrote the letter. And they're struggling with these different philosophies and how to be rooted in Jesus. And here's his words to them, his words to us. If then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which has been renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as Christ's chosen ones, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, that is like slicing off a big piece of steak and trying to chew it all in one bite. So we're going to work through it because Paul is 
on a roll at this point. If you remember the last couple of, of sermons, we talked about being rooted in the triumph of Christ, being rooted in the wisdom of Christ. And now he's continuing the thought, and he's going to now talk about living that out. And so he's going to encourage us to think about some things, because the number one thing that Paul is trying to get us to do, and he wants us to be rooted in the life of Christ, in the life of Jesus. And that's what I want you to pay attention to today. So we're going to walk back through some of these. And I'm going to walk back through this passage and show you what I think Paul has for us. Notice what he says, and I'll go right back to the beginning. Verse 1. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, you're going to see some language in here that if you've been around church, you may start recognizing there's a lot of baptism language in here. This idea of if you are raised with Christ, that's a baptism reference. Paul is saying in that moment when you came up out of the water, you were raised out of the water, not only did you physically come up out of the water, but something happened. There was an exchange that occurred and you were raised with Christ. And maybe all we saw on the outside at the first was just you dripping wet, but something is different internally and eternally okay and i love this baptism language that's in here and in fact if, if you remember one of our vision five is that we are prayerfully asking god for a harvest of baptisms over these next five years that god would do what god can do to bring people to himself and change their lives as they connect with him in baptism and we're just praying for a harvest to come forward and I want to know we started praying that prayer and God was like hang on I'll show you what I can do and I thought that maybe in my because like my lack of faith that perhaps we would start seeing this slow steady rise in baptisms I was looking in preparation for this message. This past year, we've experienced 14 baptisms of new people coming to Jesus. That is an incredible rate for us. And this is not done with year one yet. I can only begin to imagine what God's going to do by year five if we continue to pray for God to respond for that. So Paul's digging into baptism language. He's saying, as you've been raised with Christ. Now notice, things that Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So Christ is at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life, so you're in baptism, you've died. And now your life is hidden and it's hidden in a very specific place. It's hidden in Christ. It's enveloped. It's encompassed by. It's surrounded by Christ. Where's Christ? He's at the right hand of God. It's important to remember. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul is saying that something on the cosmic level is happening and now your life is hidden in Christ and he's at the right hand of God. You have changed locations. 
You have changed where you can be found. Now, this is what we will often refer to as the now and the not yet. We live in the now where we know how this is all going to come out and something has happened now, but it's not yet fully realized. There's coming a day where we will experience the resurrection that Jesus promises, but we live now knowing that is true. We talked about knowing the outcome of the sports game last week and knowing that when you you know how the victory comes out, you change how you play the game. That's exactly what Paul is talking about here. And he's saying there has been a relocation of you. Your citizenship is no longer in this world. It's no longer in this place. Your citizenship is now in the kingdom of heaven. And now what Paul is going to say is now you live like it by being rooted in Christ. And he's about to go into some metaphors about how you should dress. Now, that's what all the put off and put on language is. Now, this may date me just a little bit. And so I'm going to say that I saw this TV show in reruns, okay? But it wasn't on streaming, okay? So it actually came on TV, and if you know this show, let me show you. Here's a picture. Now, I run a risk of showing you a picture like this because half of you can't get the theme song out of your mind right now. You're not going to hear anything else I say. But if you're not familiar with this classic icon, this is the Beverly Hillbillies. And the whole premise of the show was that one day, oh, um, Jeb is out hunting and he discovers oil, black gold, on his land and they become super rich. And so they move from the country to Beverly Hills. Now, they changed location, they changed addresses, but the gimmick of the show was they never changed what they were wearing. That's the whole humor of the show. Every season. That's exactly their costumes. What Paul is saying, and the first takeaway that I want you to have is this, is you dress according to your new status. We need to be people, if we're going to be rooted in the life of Christ, that we learn that we have changed citizenship, and now we dress our lives according to our new status. The problem is we keep trying to put on the old clothes. That's what we talked about last week with the grave clothes. And I received emails and text messages and notes from so many of you talking about the the idea that we're still wearing the grave clothes. Our old rags. Look what Paul says. He's going to tell us. now. So everything else that Paul's going to tell us in all the coming verses is how to dress. Here's how you dress according to the new status. Here's how you dress as a citizen. Uh, pick it up, verse, uh, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And now he's going to give us a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. If you want to take some notes next to that list, I want you to write the word immorality. Paul is talking about the old clothes that have to do with any immorality, our desires, our lust, our temptations. He goes on. But now you must put them all away. And he has another list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and you put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Next to that list, you can write the word hostility. He's gone from the immorality that we've been drawn to and this hostility, this bitterness, this rage, this anger toward each other. And what Paul is doing is he's going back and forth, back and forth. He's saying, you've got to stop putting on the hillbilly clothes. You've got to stop dressing like your old self. And so his how to dress for the proper status is we put off our old self by getting rid of your old clothes. And for many of us, it's time to clean out the closet. So many of us, maybe this is only a guy problem, I don't know, but I hold on to all my old clothes. Anytime somebody's ever come up to me and said, that's a nice shirt, the immediate thing out of my mouth is, thank you, Erica picked it out for me. Because if it was up to me, I would still be wearing all the old clothes, the ones that were frayed and they have holes in them and maybe they're dirty and they can't be ironed out anymore because they've just been worn too long and they're too threadbare. Anybody else have clothes in your closet like this? Why do we keep going back to the old clothes? Because they're comfortable and they're familiar to us. And Paul is saying, you are still going back to your old self, your old clothes, your old impurity, your lust, your temptations, your bitterness, your anger, your slander, your lies. You keep going back to that because it's so comfortable to you. You're not dressing for your new status. He says, put that off. The language in Scripture again and again is anytime you come into Christ, the old self dies, and yet we keep trying to do CPR and revive it because we want it with us and familiar. And Paul says if you're going to dress the new way, you got to get rid of the old self. And then he goes on. I want you to look at the next list he gives us. And he's talking about this life in Christ, this life that's hidden in the person of Jesus. Here... Um, uh, verse 11, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. You want to write something next to that? Write bigotry. Paul has just given a list of all the labels that that culture would put on each other. And We live in a fractured world right now. I don't think there's any argument about that. But understand, we didn't invent 
a fractured society. If you were to be transported back into the Roman society that Paul is writing to this church, it was stratified. It was layered with class and status and ethnic group. And you stayed in your lane and you did not get outside of that. Your only effort was to try to climb your way up the ladder. It was a dog-eat-dog Neighbor versus neighbor type existence. And so Paul lays out all these labels. And what he's doing is saying, this is how you've organized your world up to now. You've got Greek and Jew. You've got slave and free. You've got these barbarians and these Scythians. And both of those are terms for people that you didn't want to be around. They were, they were the, the rednecks of the day. They were the, the offensive ones of the day. They're the ones that that were coming in and changing everything. They were brutal. He says, you've got all of this. He says, but in Christ, those old labels do not hold water anymore. You cannot be going by those. And so his encouragement to us and what he's about to do is, so we can dress for our status is, he's going to tell us, Put on your new self by dressing in all new labels. He's not anti-labels because he's about to give us some. He's about to give us another list. But he's anti the old ones with the old self that's from the old closet that's so familiar and comfortable. And he says, no, there's a new one that you embrace. And so our first step is we begin to take off one set of clothes and embrace a whole new wardrobe in Christ. He's going to say, Put on these new labels. Wear these labels. Just like a fashion designer has a label. There's a brand there. He says, put on then. As God's chosen ones. There's the first label. That's who you are. God's chosen ones. Now look at the labels that he gives. Holy and beloved. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness. And patience. He doesn't stop. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You're forgiven, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. There's a whole new set of labels. What Paul is encouraging them to do and encouraging us to do is pursue the new labels. Live as the chosen ones of God. Live as the holy ones of God. Live as the loving ones of God. Live as the forgiving ones of God. Live as the peacemakers, as Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, that's how you're to live. Does that define you? Does that define us as a church? Yesterday I had a chance to join Frankie Baugh and Roy Montgomery and some others as we traveled to the Cherokee Children's Home for their Man Up event. And they had a guy that came to speak, his name's Scott Knudsen. I'm probably not pronouncing his name well, but he's the entrepreneur cowboy. And he's a Christian, he's involved in business, and one of his businesses has everything to do with 
roping and riding horses and, and training up horses. And apparently he's really good and successful at it. One of the things that he talked about in his talk was this idea of riding for the brand. And in the horse world, when you're dealing with horses that are valued at, at thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, there's a lot of pride there, as there should be. And he said, in that world, everybody has the brand, the actual brand of the ranch and the farm that, that produced the horses. And so when they go to events, you can always see and recognize who's with what group because they have a certain brand on. And he says, it's always important. And you see it, everybody that's riding for the brand, they take such pride in their equipment and their outfit and how the horse looks and how the saddle's put on and that everything is immaculate because they want to represent the brand well. Jesus saying, wear your labels, you're riding for the brand. And your labels are different than the world. They're not based on class. They're not based on skin color. They're not based on success rates. They're based on the very image of Christ. And did you notice what he says? Is you're becoming in the image of the Creator. That is the goal of the Christian life. I've said before, it's often a mistake that we say that my goal as a Christian is to make it to heaven. I would argue back that cannot be your goal because that goal means that's something you're working for. Jesus has done that for you. That's the gospel message. It is not something that you work for. You don't add to your salvation that way. But you can have a goal to where you wake up each day and you want to be formed in the image of Jesus more and more and more. So you look more and more like him. And I can't tell you day to day whether I'm more in heaven. Other than the fact that I know I'm one day closer to my death. But I can tell you in very real terms. Whether I treated my wife more or less like Jesus whether I interacted with my neighbor more or less like Jesus. Whether I talked to my kids more or less like Jesus. As I dealt with customers, business partners. As I do my taxes. As I sit in a restaurant and wait and let a server wait on me. Do I treat them more or less like Jesus? And I can either put on the old self that's so comfortable, or the new self that Jesus is looking. To where someday somebody would say, I see something in you. You look like your daddy. You're a child of God. And it becomes evident to all those around. Last way that Paul tells us on how to dress according to our new status is this. I'm going to go ahead and put up the takeaway, and then I'll read the scriptures. The takeaway is this. Put on your new self by joining the team, participating in community. 
Put on your new self by joining the team and participating in community. Christianity was never intended to be a solo adventure. You were never meant to go at it by yourself. But together we form a team. Now, I never had this opportunity because no team was ever looking for me to join in sports. But I've always been an admirer of when that either that college student's being signed or that person's being drafted into the professional sport of their choice, what happens? They have a press conference, they gather people around, cameras are there, and inevitably at some point they hold up the jersey, the uniform that they're going to wear of the new team. Why? Because they're going to dress as a part of the team. Paul's telling us that our team, your dress is formed in community. So now go back and look what he writes in these verses, let me pick it up in verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You can only fulfill that verse in a group in a community this is why us being together and i believe being in the same place is incredibly important i realize that that for reasons and covid and everything else we still have the online and that's wonderful and we're glad we are so grateful that's a part but it's reason it's important to join us in this activity as we come together because so much ministry occurs Together, and we are shaped by who we're around. Sociologists will tell us that you become like the five people that you spend the most time with. You become most like them. And so what Paul is saying is to this young church, gather together, be together, encourage one another. And he talks about share in Scripture together. Dive into it and let it wash over you together, teaching and admonishing one another. You can't do that in isolation. So come together. This is why we come together and we sing. We don't sing, and I think sometimes, maybe if you're new to church, we have this mistaken identity or mistaken idea that what God really needed was a group of people to get together and sing a bunch of songs about him. Because he's got an ego. That's not why God calls us to worship. Now he's worthy of our worship. Absolutely. But what God is calling us together to do. Is to encourage one another. And he wired us in such a way. Where he already is aware of the power. Of what can occur in a song. And how it can be uniting together. And forming to us. Every single Sunday, and we did it this morning as well, the group of volunteers that lead these ministries on Sunday morning, the singing, the tech team, all the people that are participating, we gather each morning and we go over the plan for the day. We conclude that meeting in a very critical way, and it is the highlight in many ways of my Sunday. We can conclude by spending some time in prayer, praying for each other, Praying for you, praying for God to bless what's going on in here today. And at the end of that prayer, we then sing a song called the 
doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We sing the same song every single week. That time for me has become incredibly vital. It's the moment I kind of shift out of detail, 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 detail. I'm kind of ready for worship now. And I'm in the space. And what we're doing is we're asking God to be at work in us, to change us, not simply be doers of ministry, but be in many ways worshipers, even in the midst of it. And that comes through that power of song. So, Jesus, Paul is calling us to say, you have joined a new team. At your baptism, here's your uniform. Here's your jersey. Now go and live like it. Put on the new self. Put off the old self. Get rid of the old clothes. Do not go back to them. I read a humorous story where a family had donated, a mom and dad had donated a bunch of clothes to Goodwill. Unbeknownst later, the daughter showed up that week at Goodwill and bought them all back, not knowing that they had come from her house. Put on your new self. Live this reality because your status has changed. You have gone from a citizen of the kingdoms of the earth to a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You have gone from dead to alive. You have gone from despair to hope. You have gone from bleak to an eternal future that cannot be taken away from you, that cannot be snatched. And what, the, what Satan would love more than anything is to get you to go back into the old closet again, find the familiar stuff, and dress yourself like that, totally saying, as if I'd never been baptized in the name of Jesus. He's totally fine for you to be baptized as long as you don't start dressing like it and wearing your testimony on the outside. 